Welcome to Book Buddies, a reading club for people. Thanks for joining us as we discuss Please Kill Me, the uncensored oral history of punk by Legs McNeil and Jillian McCain. This week, part five, Search and Destroy. And now your hosts, Josh Tyson and Mark Brush. with a hip opener now, okay? Your down dog's still looking good. I want you to raise your right leg to the sky. That's right. Firm up your buttock and get your thigh high. Lift it high. But you want to keep your, your hips square, parallel with the ground. There you go. All right, now bring your right leg through. You get your knee right up there next to your uh, right hand, your ankle next to your left hand. And now come down. You're in half pigeon. But don't, nope, nope, keep your buttocks up. Flex your thighs. There you go. Now just sink down into it. There you go. Not sleeping pigeon yet. I want you, you're a royal pigeon. I want you to puff your chest. I want you to pull your front ribs in as you arch back. It's a little counterintuitive, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to do wonders for you. You're going to love the way this feels. All right, now you can go to sleeping pigeon. Oh. Isn't that like a Bloomingdale's? Ju- I'm gonna, I'm gonna get the door. I love the way this feels. Welcome everyone. TG Welcome Max. to Book Buddies. Grab some Zin. Men's Warehouse. And let's dig in. We are finishing up. Please <sighs> kill me. Sad to see this one go. Um, but as always, let's turn to our Williams man for some, uh, some good old-fashioned context. Matt, could you, could you, top me off? Thank you. All right. Um, welcome, everyone. It's the fifth installment of Book Buddies, the final installment for this book, Please Kill Me, the uncensored oral history of punk rock. Punk. By Legs McNeil and Joanne McCain. <laughs> As a, just thought That's I'd so say that funny. again. Uh, you just said that. As a yeah. Williams man... I think they know what book we're reading. By it now. is my job to set the stage, provide some context before we get to the text. First the context, then the text. So... As usual, I'll present a few of the principal players, a lot of P's, principal players in this part of the book. I met this woman named Susan. Perhaps Josh will give us some music to accompany it. Oh, sorry. I was dozing off there. Dead Boys. I don't know shit about the Dead Boys. They do my, perhaps the most punk name of all the bands. Yeah, pretty good. Dead Dead Boys. Boys. Yeah. What's more punk than that? Ramones is kind of clever. The Voidoids. Yeah, sort of that's punk, too, it's a little dead. cute. Yeah, Dead Boys. Implies death. Rigor mortis. Um, why did I... The Dead Boys evolved out of the band Rocket from the Tombs. Hmm. Everybody loves them. Yeah. And they were originally called Frankenstein. There you go. So there's always been sort of a horror angle. Moved to NYC at the encouragement of Joey Ramone. Quickly gained notoriety for their outrageous live performances. Does this sound familiar, Josh? Lewd gestures and profanity were the norm. On more than one occasion, lead singer Stiv Baters, as I like to say. I think I like to say Bators. Slashed his stomach with his mic stand. Like you do. Classic Iggy. Mm Mm-hmm. Classic Iggy. 
<clears throat> band frequently played at the rock club CBGB in 1977. They released their debut album, Young, Loud, and Snotty, produced by Yin Yin. Their song, Sonic Reducer, is often regarded as one of the classics of the punk, ron, gen- punk rock genre, <laughs> Sonic Reducer. Punk Ron? Punk Ron genre, is that one Sonic of the roadies? Reducer. Punk Ron. Oh, okay. I don't need oh, I know this. Don't need no mom and dad. Don't need, don't need no mom and dad. dad. Yeah. Rice. Don't need rice? No human race. Oh. I thought it said a Hunan rice. Don't need no Hunan rice? Ain't no what? Loser. Yeah. Alright. I got it. Yeah. Catchy. It's very juvenile. You, you know? said Rocket from the Tombs? And Hunan Rice. There was a band uh, back in my day called Rocket from the Crypt. That was a show, right, on HBO? I think they're still around. No, that's Tales from the Crypt. Tales from the Crypt. Rocket from the Crypt, though, if you had a tattoo of their logo, which was like a little rocket ship icon, you could get into any show for free for life. Nice. Loyalty, fan base. I knew some people with those tattoos and uh, I was quietly embarrassed for them. I'd like... Well... It would be very artful of us if we could then jump to like the appropriate text for Stiv Baders and all of that. Oh yeah, but maybe we can't. Well, this is just a casual book club, Mark. Okay, I shouldn't. Not a, yeah, it's I not a freaking dissertation. <laughs> this isn't a lecture at Williams. Okay, it's my thesis defense on Sonic Medusa. Well, do you want to just do you want to talk about oh, this is D.D. King or do you want to just dig around for a while. What's no, the- let's get, I, I can't wait for D.D. King. All right. D.D. King is the most important thing that's happened to me in quite some time. <clears throat> D.D. King as John, John, as John gets the clip ready. Yeah. Um, stay- let, let punk Ron John get the punk the Ron clip and ready John. For you. John, get that clip ready. Matt, shut up. I'm digging through the vinyl. Hold on. Standing in the spotlight is the first solo studio album by D.D. Ramone released in 1989 under the rap moniker D.D. King. The album is sometimes considered to be one of the biggest failures in recording history. And I guess it should be noted that this this album is not mentioned anywhere in this book. No, this is extra. This was just something we found digging around. Well, it's an important... You got to hear this. As we close the book club. It's a taste of what's to come. It's time to get up. It's time to do that funky strut. I'm a funky man. I got funky bones. I'm a funky man. My name is D.D. Ramon. Well, let me tell you about myself. I play the bass in a punk rock band. Been oh. all over the world, even to Japan. Oh. And nothing can surprise me, man. I've seen it all. I had a ball. Someone should make a D.D. Okay. What? My Funky Dust or My Funky Duck? Terrible. I do like that. I think someone should make a DD doll. I wouldn't be surprised if there is a DD doll. I was at the record store just the other day and they had an Iggy Pop doll. It's like old, leathery, baggy skin Iggy, like in some contorted scoliosis looking moment. Hey, hey. They're not, they're not, that's, that's one of the key takeaways from this part. I'll just give it to you right now. Give it to me. They're not aging well. (laughs) No. It was clearly, I didn't, didn't really occur to me. I'm like, oh yeah, this thing all happened. They were like teenagers in their twenties. Well, yeah, they were this, young and vibrant. Then they're getting older today or falling apart fast. Well, and this book only spans like 10 years, basically. <clears throat> uh, D.D. King, King, that might be the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. What is more ridiculous than that? 
nothing. And well, who the video, convinced him if you to watch do that? the video, he, and how uh, did he allow it to happen? They're that they need money. You got to see money. his weird strut too in that video where he's like Throws trying to do kind of like a hip hop. I think it's like kind of a hip hop walk, but it just looks like he's got wet shit in his shorts. <sighs> it is something else. Yeah. Oh, look, you did. You put it on Instagram. That is fantastic. T.D. <laughs> King is a funky man. Hardly. Hardly. Well, he's funky he, in certain ways. He's the opposite of funk. So you're talking about these people not aging well. Here's an example of why. Here's Richard Lloyd. I met this woman named Susan. She was in cahoots with this guy who was importing dope from yeah, Thailand. Strapped to the ass. They would hire fat women to fly over here on vacation and bring it back a pound of dope strapped to their asses. I remember that. Susan kind of fell for me and became my, fr- my free supplier of pure heroin. I don't think human beings are allowed to do as much heroin as we did. I mean, language fails me here. <laughs> we were doing so much dope that no amount of dope was doing it anymore. That's a problem. Yeah. That's a new problem for this crew. Is it new? Dope so pure, but they're doing so much pure dope that it's just not working anymore? Well, because they've done so much, you know, your tolerance increases. You know what that's like, John. Punk Ron. Punk Ron, mate. <laughs> Who's Punk Ron? You, ca- you said that a minute ago. I know, ago. but he's not a real person. See, Punk Ron's the newest member of the book club. You know what? When we get to book two, we'll invite Punk Ron. Punk Ron. You can In show up. Just like fucking Matt and Sean over here. Mm-hmm. Useless contribution to the book club. Um, I'm looking for outrageous behavior. That seems to be the moment where that's in. what you want. Oh, look at this. Yeah. This must be outrageous. It's got a. I drew a switchblade by it. I think I know what this is. Oh, this, this is where things really start to go downhill. So this is Michael Sticka of the. That's a very long. Yeah, make that shorter. There's okay. so much talk about the. Well, this is just quick. Well, this is the first inkling of it. It's like I was I was roadieing for Blondie, and I just come off their fucking world tour. Not their world tour, but their, their fucking world tour. Yeah. <laughs> I bought this bitching switchblade in Bordeaux. It was God. so cool. It was like click and it would come out. No so, wobble on the blade. So juvenile, dude. The fascinating. Oh, we love German Third Reich. Oh, and we love switchblades. Johnny Blitz had this shitty fucking knife that he bought in Times Square. It was like one of those shitty switchblades from Mexico. The crappy knives that wobble. It was one of those, one of those pieces of shit with the wobbly blades. But mine was really good. A very good blade. I carried knives all the time, but I knew you don't pull a knife out because if you pull a knife out, you got to use it. And so what happens? They're walking. He, he, he a gets, bunch of them are walking. He this... by a Puerto Rican gang. Yeah. This car swerves and almost hits them. And so they start yelling Not at surprising. Guys. Mm-hmm. And then a, a whole gang of Puerto Ricans get out and he fights them off for a minute. But then who is it? Johnny... Blitz. It's, un, it's unclear. The details are Johnny all, Blitz comes always running hazy. over, and They're then he always get, hazy. Guy gets fucking gutted though. Yeah, I know he like survives fucking, though. Yeah, but jeez, well, good for he survived. And then Michael Stick ends up in jail for a long time. Goes to Riker. Did you see the picture of? Which picture? There's a picture of him in here. He's like there. He looks oh, like yeah. he looks like uh. He looks like Crispin Glover. No, he looks like uh. Who's the, the who's the guy? The talk show, the uh, Dick Cavett. No, he has the show on HBO. He's a loud mouth for Bill Maher. Bill Maher. He looks like Bill Maher with hair. Oh yeah, he does kind of have a Bill Maher look. He's a with little, this little puff of hair, holding a feet. He doesn't look like the Rikers Island type. No, but he's got a switchblade on him in that picture, no doubt. They are always they're all packing. But so to me, that that's kind of what the end of this book. Here's What's sad about it is it's just like the decline of this whole movement. So there's like more and more so, drugs, before, so much pure heroin you can't get high. But let's not go there yet. Knife fights. Let's revel in the in the degenerate behavior just for a moment before you we got get some all more, sad. Huh? Oh, are you kidding? Uh, here's Sid Vicious. 
Sid ended up going off to his room with her, and everybody at the party was going, wow, Sid's with the transsexual. Okay. Hey, Sid, what was it like? Oh, she was okay. Sid wasn't looking for anything. Everything found him, you know. He was he was sort of like he was sort of like he was a magnet like Zoom. <clears throat> Weird things seemed to happen around Sid. That very same night, a Vietnam vet asked Sid to make it with his girlfriend while he watched. After a while, Sid came out and he said It's a running theme. I just shit in her mouth. Oh. So if I may uh, slip on my Williams bloomers for a moment and give us would, some context here, this is this is all happening while uh, the Sex Pistols are doing their first and only U.S. tour. Yes, I'm sorry, I should have set that up. People would come to the shows to get bitten. Yeah, they like that shit. Good times. Well, listen to this. This is uh, this Bob Gruen talking about his experience on that tour. He was I that's what I was just doing, doing some photography. Oh. I looked over just in time to see this cowboy. So they're they're at a. A diner and this cowboy and his kids come oh, over yeah. and they recognize Sid Vicious. Yeah. They're like, hey, come They're sit They're in the middle us. of nowhere. They're like in Kansas or something. Yeah. I looked over uh, just in time to see the cowboy putting a cigarette out on his own hand. Sid was just sitting there eating his eggs with his knife and fork. He looked up unfazed and said, well, I, I couldn't, you, you know. You want to read a real history book? Read Howard Zinn's People's History of the United States. That book will fucking knock you on your Shut ass. Up. Better than Chomsky's Enough. Manufacturing Consent. You think that's a good book? Fucking people baffle me. We are get ready to be baffled. You're out of this fucking book club. Yeah, you are. We are not reading that book next. We were going to, but now we're not going to. You've got to make a new comment uh, before um, we consider you for a well, new book club. Well, I can, you know, uh, myself. What? That's my Sid vicious impression. Then Sid hit his hand with his knife. Oh uh, yeah. And it made a small cut in the skin, not very deep, but the blood started seeping out, slowly working its way down until it reached the plate of eggs. But Sid didn't care. He was just hungry and kept gobbling them up. And the more Sid ate, the more horrified the cowboy became until he completely freaked out, jumped up, gathered up his family, and started running for the door. Vicious. Debauchery. These guys and their knives, huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, here's Cheetah. Cheetah Cheetah what? Chrome. Cheetah Chrome. Dead, boy? Dead Boys? Dead Boys. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Multiple bands over the years. But Cheetah and Gita had two guinea pigs. Is that Gita Gash or whatever? Gita. Sure. Whatever. Had two guinea pigs, Ace and Winkle. Winkle was a long-haired white guinea pig that was there when I moved in. This is Jeff Magnum. And then they got Ace, a little red-haired thing. One day, the guinea pigs got on Cheetah's nerves. This is sad. And he says to Winkle, the white one, you shall live like Moses. You will live to prosper, and you, Ace, must die because you have a brain the same size as me. And he flung Ace out the window like a big old football. Fuck that guy! It's a dick move, man. Guinea pig. Cheetah. That's so... The cruelty. Uh, if we can abandon, you know, I, I guess. There's so much in this part. I don't even know. It's like we can't cover it all. Well, Here's I think Sid greasing up his butt to take dope up his ass from his mom in jail. <laughs> That's a good time. I she'd hide him in her boots. She had yeah. a system. Then he would run home as soon as he got out of jail. The first thing he did when he got home was put on his swastika t-shirt. Oh, feel all warm and cuddly in my swastika t-shirt. <laughs> Terrible. Well, I mean, but what this chapter is really about is the uh, the grinding halt of this this well, movement being well, pure mean, and, de- uh, and like worth something. So, know? so the, the, like the big plot points here would be we had one of the dead boys get cut up by a gang, cut to shit, cut to shit, and then we have then you have the S- Sex Pistols touring Sid, the U.S. and breaking up. S- yes, and then Sid perhaps killing his girlfriend in a drug overdose and or someone else. It seemed more like a robbery. I, I kind of. <laughs> I guess that's hilarious. I guess so. No, but I mean, I think 
He seems so feckless. It does not seem like he would kill someone. Honestly. Yeah, but yeah, I'm with you. It does seem like if you know, maybe and the it seems money very was likely gone. that someone would just come in and rob them, and then. But doesn't it seem just as likely that he's out of his fucking mind? He seems so lazy, though. They're all out of their fucking mind. They're all when he's all doped up. He's just like falling over. Um, the great it, thing about Dee Dee is that he slept with everybody. Dee Dee slept with me. This is Linda Stein. Dee Dee slept with Seymour. I think that's her husband. I think he slept with Danny. I mean, Danny Ramon. I mean, Dee Dee slept with everybody and anybody, and he made you feel good. I mean, he was a professional hooker. There you go. I mean, he's trained in the, in the hooking in arts. So listen to this. Here's Legs, though. I'm a fucking man. Here's Legs summing up There's so, all right, a I big got part of the end of this book, books. okay? All right. Before, Overnight. Before we get to the really heartbreaking stuff. So what happens, though, is when, when the Sex Pistols are touring the United States, it becomes nightly news. It's this huge deal. They yep. keep covering it, although nothing really all that big ever happens. It's just these weirdos are in town and it's, or in, in country and it's a big deal. So Legs says, overnight, punk had become as stupid as everything else. Yep. This wonderful vital force that was articulated by the music was really about corrupting every form. It was about advocating kids to not wait to be told what to do, but to make life up for themselves. Mm-hmm. It was about trying to get people to use their imaginations again. It was about not being perfect. It was about saying it was okay to be amateurish and funny, that real creativity came out of making a mess. It was about working with what you've got in front of you and turning everything embarrassing, awful, and stupid into your life to your advantage. But after the Sex Pistols tour, I had no interest in doing Punk Magazine. It just felt like this phony media thing. Punk wasn't ours anymore. It had become everything we hated. It seemed like it had become everything we had started the magazine to rage against. Follow up, Duncan Hanna. Then the scene got polluted by the press. Suddenly, people from uptown were coming downtown. It was really a shame to me. Suddenly, CBGBs was packed. And the more people you got, the more you got clones, right? Mm. So what used to be individuals like James Chance and Anya Phillips and Richard Hell, suddenly you were getting 25 versions of each of them milling about. I remember punk was in vogue. Punk, the music Mm. movement, was in, not the magazine, was in vogue. And when that issue came out, I saw Diana Vreeland at CBGB's and all these tourists, right, slumming in the Bowery. And I just thought, ah, forget it. You know, if they're going to do this, I quit. But But of course I couldn't quit because it was my home. Well, here's the thing. I think, you know, punk kind of gets credit for democratizing music in a way, but I don't think that's truly what it is because if you, if you go to a site like Mm garagehangover.com, you can see that in the wake of early rock and roll, like uh, there were just a bunch of garage bands figuring out like, oh, this isn't that hard to play this music. So we'll, we'll learn it. We'll play it. But then, you know, the West coast thing happens where there's all these really prolific uh, talented musicians creating this wizard-like music. Is this going to bring? Are you going to bring in the shipping routes again? No, the shipping routes. No, no. This has nothing to do with that. It has to do with. Uh, so, so music's been democratized. Punk takes some of that back, but then it also gotta, encourages you to clue. like let yourself loose to actually like bring your like reveal yourself. Just don't, don't, don't let be yourself cloistered. Don't set yourself too loose, or you end up with funky men. Well, I mean, you just don't need to copy shit. You can, right. you can I'm with you. do your own thing. Here. And it can be as weird as oh, shit. you can name. possibly be. I'm looking for this quote. Oh. And that's okay. What about this? So drugs brought money back and Ronald Reagan was, this is about the decline of the movement. And I like the president, you know, shit went on. In fact, that's the sad part. Hippies survived Nixon, mm-hmm. but punk caved in to Ronald Reagan. Know what I'm saying? Punk couldn't actually take a good challenge. So interesting. I think it's because it's so juicy. And, you know, part of the reason we want to read this book is because uh, of 
the incoming, the president-elect. In fact, he's D. D. just King. been inaugur- inaugurated, right? Oh, I thought it was D.D. King. President D.D. King. I God, think he'd be in better shape. Guys. Look at, we'll get here. This is also important. Tom mm. writes lyric. This is Tom Verlaine of television. Mm-hmm. Tom, who I feel a close affinity to, simpatico with Tom. What do I say? Ah, fuck you. And you say? Sorry, what? <laughs> oh, I was reading something. Oh, uh, I say, uh, don't stop taking it so seriously, you asshole. Tom writes lyrics that are like triple entendres. Oh, so oh, deep. man. And he didn't have a singer's voice. How many triple entendres are there in the Kepler trick? Many. I think if you slit a goat's throat, it would sound like that. It's kind of like what I sound like singing, probably. <laughs> you and Tom have <laughs> I've so heard much that about common. my Bob Seger. Impro- uh, here's the Ramones at the end. We just, Dee Dee, favorite. Ha ha ha. We just toured all the time without a break for 15 years. I couldn't take the van anymore. Me sitting at the back, looking out the window. No one ever talked to me. Johnny and Joey didn't talk for years. There was a time when we had a bus that had four separate compartments. John would sit in one with his girlfriend. Mark would sit there with his. Joey would sit there with Linda, and I'd sit in another one. And if we'd see each other, it would get real ugly. We couldn't even walk out of the bus together. We couldn't even get our keys to the hotel room together. We couldn't look at each other. Later on, he says, we're basically four middle-aged men trying to be teenage juvenile delinquents. Yeah, and he resented that, right? He didn't like that he still had to have that bowl cut. He he wanted to go hip-hop. He bowl cut. He wanted to go hip-hop. <laughs> or somebody wanted him to go hip-hop. Well, so, I so mean, you said it. So throughout this book, though, I mean, Sid and Nancy kind of become emblematic of oh. the decline of this whole thing. Like, you know, the Sex Pistols kind of ruin it and commercialize it on accident. And then well, Sid and Nancy die, and it's tragic. Like, Death. A big fucking mess, so it kind of caps things. But listen to this. I mean, we're about to have a lot of people die. Are we at that point in this book club? It's getting to that point because here's. Or do you che- want to play your your clip? We have one more. Well, context. No, we'll save that for the closer okay. to the end. Here's okay. uh here's Cheetah Chrome, the guinea pig thrower. Ugh. But fucking Sid and Nancy were a pain in the ass. You know, everybody would be laughing at Sid. He would be bumping into telephone poles. Nancy would be bitching at him, and then she never wanted to pay full price for the stuff. I mean, these were not people you fucking bicker and bargain with. And fucking Sid would be asking all these dumb questions. Can you give me a deal? You know, buying heroin is not negotiable. You don't bargain with dope dealers. It's a fixed price. Like William Burroughs said, it's the ultimate merchandise, and a customer will crawl through a sewer and beg to buy it. And William Burroughs is actually kind of a character in the end of this, He too. does. Everybody, everybody has fun getting him high. It's sad. But here we go to what we were saying about, I was saying about Sid being sad. the symbol. Here's Lenny Kay. But when things start to fall apart, you look at situations like Sid, as I'm sure the hippies must have looked at Altamont as here's our symbol. Here's our symbol. I mean, so Stiv Baders dies. Mm-hmm. People are kind of upset, but not they didn't really like him that much. <laughs> uh, Sid dies. Nancy dies. Anya Phillips dies. Yeah, gets cancer sad. and just kind of doesn't even kind of flames acknowledge out. it. Yeah. And tries to... Yeah, I did, it seems like. And then, like, some of the Titans start to go down. I mean, this, I think what's most memorable of the final, I guess, the epilogue of this book is just the decline of old Johnny Thunders. Yeah, it's pretty gross. Brutal! Pretty gross. I mean, the here, there's a couple descriptions here. This is Serena. Now, let me ask you this, though, real quick. Oh. Before we get to the some of the final deaths in the book, did you want to talk at all about uh, the Ramones' time with Phil Spector? <laughs> I mean... Because that's pretty insane, too. Well, there's... Like Dee Ramon has this to say, Phil was totally out of his mind. I hadn't met anyone crazier than him, but he liked me a lot. 
He used to carry a gun all the time. He had two guys with him that were fully armed. So, I mean, a lot of this is just like Phil Spector lore. Everyone kind of knows this shit. But then you have D.D. Ramon again. It seems like quite, oh God. We started making the Roger Corman movie, yes. Rock and Roll High School, at yes. the same time we were making the Phil Specker, Spector record, End of the Century. I never read the script to Rock and Roll High School. I was so out of it. If you'll notice, I don't say a word in the movie. They had lines for me and things for me to do, but I just couldn't function. I couldn't do anything. So they did their best with what they could. And then you have Linda Stein. They had one line for him. Yeah, here it is. Dee Dee was supposed to have one line in the movie. Something like, is there any pizza? Or can we get pizza? Or order pizza? Something about pizza. He had one line. He couldn't get it. Couldn't do it. Did about 40 takes. And we were all so nervous that Dee Dee wouldn't get it. And he didn't get it. <laughs> we tried to rehearse Dee Dee and everything. But we knew it was going to be a problem. Jesus. And it was a problem. So, I mean, maybe that is... I haven't paid enough attention to how juvenile this is, but... So there's all these crazy stories that happen like that. Mm-hmm. Phil Spector's a crazy story. There's this random, they bring Nico back at the end and how she dies, Oof. but then like her illegitimate child yeah. with Alain Delon. I think allegedly she turned him on to dope too. She was the first one who got him high and he was like a fucking train wreck. Well, this is, this is all we need to say about him. Then I got a, this is how crazy their lives are. Then I got a, so she just died. He's getting royalties. Then I got a check from the Velvet Underground and bought a ticket for Raroria Tahiti. I was taking Valium pot and beer and I got beaten up, then arrested. And someone tried to kill me with a harpoon. As you do. Mm Mm-hmm. And I mean, before we get to the deaths. (sighs) Well, we've already done all the deaths. It's worth noting. There's just one death. There's one very epic death. But but it's worth noting. Uh, that Patty Smith actually does make a fairly graceful exit. Yeah, she does. In that they... And they, I think they resent her for that. Some well, of them, some are, them like, are a little... Well, like her band members, I think, are a little bit like, well, what am I supposed to do? But Or they also think, they, I mean, that she's uppity for doing that. and She's above them. But you know what? Maybe she is, maybe she isn't, but she survived. Well, and the thing is, too, I mean, they went out on a European tour, played some big stadium shows where some scary shit happened. They opened for Seeger. And then, then it's time, then they're done. Because, like, what are the options, right? She could become like a compromised pop star. There are no options. You end up like the Ramones. Everybody wants you to, or Johnny Thunders. They, you have you. I want to see you high as a kite up there, barely able to speak. Yep. That's the only way I'm going to come to your show. That's oh, what they want. All right, but wait, I'm 30 now. It hurts when I do this. And here's what James Growerholz says. Patty actually managed to do a pretty canny thing. She managed to be a rock and roll death without having to die. Oh, Pretty good. She yeah, she well, goes. She marries uh, well Fred said. Sonic Smith. She does. She's excited because she won't have to change her last name. <laughs> they move to like Detroit, outskirts of Detroit. Raise some kids. Raise some kids. They make an album together. When his heart when explodes in his chest, and then. But before that happens, they're they. I mean, they don't have a lot of money. No, they, they live Spartan, but they make an album together when they need some money. And look at her now. But they focus on raising their children. She accepts Bob Dylan's Nobel Prize. Did she on behalf of him? Yeah. Remember he didn't show. So she went there and oh, she funny. sang one of his songs and messed it up and got real. She was very cute about it. Like, oh my God, I was so nervous. She butchered one of his songs. <laughs> kind of deserves it. For but being no, it was just a restart and then they did it again. All right. Look, it was an unexpected. <clears throat> I'm reading the whole book and I didn't, you know, I knew Johnny Thunders was a big deal, mm-hmm. but you got Lou, you mean principal characters. You got Lou Reed, you got Iggy Pop, uh, who else would be the big time? I guess some Sid Vicious is a, an important figure. Yeah. But like Johnny was like Richard Hell. Uh-huh. Well, Richard Hell's still around. He was, he, yeah, no, I know. But I mean, of, of, all of those people are, no, Lou Reed's not. Um, 
But I think what you realize in this but he last sne- part, my point is that he sneaks up you on a, sneaks up on you as a character and just pulls at your heartstrings as he falls apart. He does. Well, then you realize too that they make the point in here. I don't know if I isolated the quote, but that well, I have three quotes. Johnny about Thunders him. dies, and then there's all like all the glam metal bands of the eighties. Oh, That's Johnny I've Thunders. That. I've got that. Hold on. So first, this is what everybody was dealing with. Uh, what we're we talking about, nineteen eighty ish, something like that. Baby, be well. Johnny was not a pretty sight. Let's get real here. Mm. His hands were unbelievably disgusting. They were all plumped up like sausage and scabby and weird all the time. I don't like talking like that about somebody that I love so much, but he just made me a little scared. You know, sometimes you'd be talking to him and blood would just start to drip down his hand. Not exactly somebody you want to pounce on. That's one. Yikes. Two. Serinda Fox. Uh... I put him in the shower and scrubbed him. He was just so bad. He was so bad. I just never saw anybody that bad in my life. He had these big scars, lumps and bumps, and his feet were filthy. He had big bruises where he'd been shooting up all over his feet and on his legs and anywhere he could shoot up. Abscesses everywhere. Oh. And then, was that was that a sound cue? Nope. And so, I mean, there's one more. So I don't. There's. It's just I, I, sad, man. He, he, he just, he's goes to Germany. He makes some money. He, then he goes to new Orleans. He's going to record this like acoustic album. He, he dies like a day later from another mysterious circumstance that he OD. Did somebody do it to him? Did he, well, Willie, Willie DeVille's of, theory. Yeah, of acid. Someone sold him acid and then he was trying to shoot methadone to come down and shot too much and died. Shot a bunch. Um, but I mean, we close with Jerry Nolan, his buddy. They were so like sad. brothers. I have a tough time getting through the days. I get real lonely, and I miss Johnny terribly. I don't like the idea of living without him. It's just not fair. Everywhere I look, I see Johnny clones, Poison, Motley Crue. I can name a hundred bands that have a Johnny Thunders clone in them. And then you're going well, to you're is... have to tell me what happens to Jerry Nolan. Well, here's what's crazy, some too. some harrowing, is... harrowing death scene, but I don't understand what actually happened to him. Okay, but at... Uh... At Johnny Thunder's funeral, Steven Tyler is there. Yes. And at that point, I didn't just, realize this, but... bump into Bebe Buell. Well, she'd already, she already has a daughter with him. I thought that happened later, but I guess it uh, makes sense. Look, it says right here, here's Bebe Buell. I, thought, um, I, thought I, took, I read that as like, this is where they met. No, no, no. I was uh, having a little conversation with him and stuff. Uh, who's she talking to? And I got up to turn around, go back to my seat, and I walk smack into Steven Tyler, my daughter Liv's father... Yeah, that doesn't mean she already has I the daughter. I think she had, though. I don't think that Stephen knew it was me either. Stephen Tyler is the least public of any relationship I've ever had because I it's, think this is where I've met. never spoken about it, not ever in any interview. I think it's where they met. I, no, I just pretended that Todd Rundgren was Liv's dad for years. So I think it might have already happened. Steve Tyler, Stephen Tyler was a really important relationship to me. I wanted to marry him, you know? But here's... Baby, be well. So here's Sorinda Fox. I was so sorry that it wasn't my ex-husband, Stephen Tyler, lying there instead of Johnny Yeah, Stephen Tyler makes a dramatic entrance at the very end of the book. (laughs) Stephen just stood there going, it could have been me. I said, how dare you? How dare you? Johnny hated you. He hated you. Oh, I was sick. I was foaming. I was so upset. I was like, too bad it wasn't you. Who cares about you? You never cared about another person. It's him lying there in that coffin. Jesus Christ, you are so disgusting. You are the most disgusting human being I know. I mean... How could you think of yourself at a time like this? I think it's, whew, it's it's probably a good editorial decision to bring in all that juice on Steven Tyler, but it's like, he's not, is he punk? 
Well, no, but he's there at the funeral. Yeah, yeah but how does he worm into the punk movement? Through Bebe Buell, through, I guess. Everybody worms in through Bebe Buell. What happened to Jerry Nolan? I don't know. Well, <clears throat> it says that he got meningitis. That's how he died. But this scene of him, like, he's he's got tubes down his well, have throat. Have you ever seen someone with meningitis? Because I have. My friend had meningitis, <laughs> and it was awful. And did they die? She was a shell of herself uh, eventually, yeah. Oh. Not of the meningitis, but it certainly didn't help. And you like it's tubes, but I, I don't know. I, he's intubated and he's like falling apart. So basically, the way I'm supposed to read this is Johnny Thunders dies. Jerry Nolan gets severely depressed about it. Well, listen to as this. he would. Jerry but then Nolan later, is, later he gets sick. Oh, this, this is right after. Yeah, everywhere I look, I see Johnny clones. I just said poison that. Motley Crue. But the very next thing, I bump into I bumped into Keith Richards. And cheers him up. I was walking down Broadway across the street from the old church, Grace Church at 10th Street. I've met him many times, but I'm really just an acquaintance. I had the blues. I was feeling sad. He was just leaning up against a wall, reading or something, smoking a cigarette, and he'd seen me first. He made this sort of motion, showing that we knew each other. It was very early in the morning. There was no one out. Me and him, that's I it. I think they must... Here, let's of look Of course he up. knows all about me and Johnny Thunders. Keith's the kind of guy that keeps up. He gave me the typical limp English handshake and says, Look, Jerry, I'm sorry. Is that, that, that a good Keith? This is not right either. I know what it's like. Wait a minute. I don't know what to say. I wish I had a poetic answer, but I will say one thing. Somehow, I don't know how, but somehow hang in there. Stick to it. Don't give up. Oh, I hate to, I hate to end on controversy. Johnny Thunders in the cast of characters mm -hmm. died of leukemia in 1991. Uh, I think that's not right. What do you mean? It doesn't. It's... I thought he died of it. He OD'd in his. Are you sure? <laughs> Didn't we just talk about that for some number of minutes? Yeah. Let's look that up. Because then Nolan, Jerry Nolan, drummer, died of meningitis in 92. So, I mean, they weren't apart for very long. Yeah, what, yeah, you say something while I type. Well, that's a very sad book, man. I want to see how he died. 1991. That's. You think it's funny? No, that's smart. <laughs> Death. Oh boy, many rumors surround his death. Apparently died of drug related, excuse me, died of drug related causes, but it's suspected foul play. Oh, there's an autobiography, Lobotomy, Surviving the Ramon. Oh no, that's D.D. Ramon. <laughs> what, what Wikipedia page are you on? According to his autobiography, Lobotomy, Surviving the Ramones, D.D. Ramon took a call in New York City the next day from Steve Klassen, Johnny's rhythm guitarist. They told me that Johnny had gotten mixed up with some bastards who ripped him off for his methadone. They gave him LSD. It's that theory. An autopsy was conducted, uh, but I don't think it's leukemia, so that's not right. Well, maybe he had leukemia as well. Oh, he survived by his ex-wife, Julie, and four children. Four children? Yeah, great. <sighs> Jerry Nolan. I mean, that's, this, that's the, the bitch of the bunch here. He's dying of meningitis, like wasted away to nothing. I thought, men yeah, men I thought that was very rapid. Like meningitis was an infection you got that just took over. And if it either killed you or you did Well, it's usually like in your brain or your spine. Yeah, but it doesn't like linger. I think it wipes you out, man. Oh, I thought it killed you. Well, yeah, it kills him. <laughs> we're, we're just going in circles here. About but the book ends on this kind of like strange. Uh, Nolan, Jerry Nolan. strange fever dream. That's what I'm getting at. All right. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, Let, let's, let's have the Williams man I guess man the Williams man was up. a little too quick for you. Nolan outlived his longtime friend, which must be Johnny Thunders. Um, 
by only a few months. During that period, he was working on a recording project with Greg Allen and somebody else, and he was being treated for bacterial meningitis and bacterial pneumonia. During that time, he suffered a stroke, went into a coma, and when he never recovered. Yep. Apparently, he caught meningitis from shooting up heroin. I'll do it, I guess. <laughs> Spent his final weeks on life support and died January 14th, 1992. So, yeah. So they choose to end the book. The we got dream. Sarinda Fox talking about the sight of seeing him with all these tubes in his mouth well, and dying in the hospital, and then they interlace it with you like know, quotes diary? from Nolan from yeah. who knows how long ago talking about seeing Elvis when he lived in Hawaii. Touching. As a child. How he got the music bug. Yeah, yeah. and he talks about... Uh, what, what I think blows him away more than Elvis's performance is his sister's reaction to it. And then he notices that one of Elvis, Elvis's shoe has a hole in it, that he has these worn out shoes. Yeah. And he's trying to figure out, is that because they're his favorite shoes or can he just it's not afford... It's very symbolic for the whole punk movement. A new shoe. Are they just dirt poor and they're just scummy? That show, even at 10 years old, really changed my life. Or are they Elvis? I was overwhelmed by Elvis. I was overwhelmed by the musicians. I could feel the playing. But most of all, I remember two things from that show. My sister completely losing her cool... And the hole in Elvis's shoe. That is punk rock. There you go. So, so let's just real quick here. Just remind you folks. Know what? Whoops, that the the reason thumbs, part of the thumbs up on this book. Oh, an amazing book. We'll get to we'll get to the the wrap up. But a big reason that uh, I thought we should read this book is because we have who knows what's going to happen when President Elect. We are, now he's President Trump. We are recording me. this. Let me just finish. We're recording this. On inauguration day. He's just so been inaugurated, I believe. I just said that, yeah. So he's the freaking president now. So we're, we're hoping that some good art comes out of all this, if nothing else. But supposedly he's going to have his dance with Melania to the Frank Sinatra song, My Way, which Nancy Sinatra is not too happy about. But she, she definitely pointed out that he should pay attention to the, the opening lyrics of that song, which are, and now the end has come, now... which is a... Strange. The end is nigh. The end has come. The end has come. So wait. So I thought. So that's text. Come on. Textbook. Like, oh, that's, that's a good song. My way. Yeah. Wait, wait. Don't pay attention to the opening line. Yeah. It's just my way. My me, way. Mine. So since uh, Trump is going to completely bastardize and butcher the American presidency, let's listen to Sid Vicious do the same. Oh, you have another musical. To the Frank Sinatra classic a here. A clip. It's a clip. Uh, and it's about to start. Serious. He laughs. Listen. Sounds like mine, cracking left and right. And then now it's about to take the expected turn here. You know what I'd love to see? What? Trump and Melania dancing to this. Now that would be something. Just like jitterbugging real quick. I like the way he says, <sighs> What a book. What a book. 
Um, Very sad at the end. I didn't realize. I know. I was. Uh, I can always tell if a book or a movie really affects me because I usually read at night and or, and or watch a movie at night. Yeah, we love to hear and about it, your reading habits and how many books you're reading. Well, we could get into that if you like, but I'm just saying I know if something's really affecting me if it messes with my sleep. And after reading into this book, even though I'd read this book years ago, I forgot just how tragic it is. And I think the ending is sadder to me now because I'm older, closer to death. Oh, oh, unbelievable. Oh, no, it's a listener. I have to, they need to text me. Oh, see. All right. So that's all. I mean, it's just like this book really messed with my sleep. 303-548-6877. Oh, I guess we got to wrap up the book club. Oh, it's good. I'm a little bit sad, but I'm ready. I'm ready. You know what I feel like, speaking of, whoa. Um, <laughs> oh, sorry, I... I don't know if this is off topic, but I tweeted something. I was making making a joke about John LaPuma. Yeah. And he retweeted it. The PBS. That was a funny tweet. <laughs> that was what I was so sad that like that tweet was getting no love because it was like it's <laughs> a good one. It was like you can lead a horse to water, but I mean you come had, on. You had two back did you do those together? Just sort of you were Grand in the Yeah, they were good. I was cooking. You you co opted a couple of couple tweets with the uh, all you do on John Twitter. LaPuma and we did some shit food blogger interaction. All right, but we digress. Please. But I do, speaking of I mean, I, I, there's got to be a whole other book on the cutting room floor. Where's the companion piece? Come on. Yeah, I think I think they needed a, another little clip or two about um, Nolan there at the end, just so so you weren't confused if you didn't know the details. That might have helped, huh? Yeah, and they need to, they need to clarify this Johnny Thunder's death. Well, the good news is too is like maybe if he you, had, maybe you're right. Maybe he had leukemia, and so that's they tend to put that in this how people died. They don't. It's not always like. Took away too many drugs. Can you put that for yeah. everybody on here? Yeah. They try and soften it a bit. Oh, it was leukemia. It wasn't methadone. Lung cancer. Yeah. All right. But um, I'm ready. Uh, what are the final, shit, what are the great questions that you ask me um, to wrap up a book club? Because here's it's one of them. time for us to move on. And I'm, to this our is the next last book. time I'm going to ask you this about this book. But did the author provide any pertinent web links for mm. readers to use? So if there's, if there's any quibbling to be quibbled with this book, it would have to be a complete lack of web links. No web links. Although, what is less punk than a web link? Mm. A tweet? Did yeah. preconceived opinions of That's this person or topic change after reading the book? If so, did they change for the oh, better wow. or the worse? Explain. Wow. Final thoughts wow. on the book, Mark. Wow. So this is uh, this is extemporaneous. I don't know. But I, I feel like there's an arc here. Oh, yeah. Which is a powerful bit of applause. For legs and Jillian. Oh, you've that, given them some applause, huh? Yeah, I just gave them some applause because I went into this, of course, very skeptical of the punk movement, mm-hmm. thinking, you know, bunch of bunch of punks. <laughs> I think dirt bags. Bunch of dirt bags. I don't. I shouldn't take this seriously. And then, as they developed this book, I got attached to certain figures. Yeah. I began to understand some of the importance that it this presents culturally. Oh yeah. But then by the end, I came back around to thinking there. Of course they succumb to their own devices because they're 20-year-old punks who couldn't grow up. Couldn't grow up. They were trapped in their own, even if they wanted to. Like, if your career depended on it, if your identity was all about being this sort of, like, just heroin-riddled, you know, degenerate, what are you going to do when you want to get out of that? It's hard. They created their own box. They couldn't get out of it. Yes, they did. They burned brightly inside that box. But not for long. No. But to my point, they they 
They had I like the, I'm going to use the word democratized a bunch because democracy and peril or whatnot, but like just really like doing your own fucking thing, man. I do that. So that's the best thing about this. That's is, like, that's a, that's a, that's another glass ceiling that has been broken. Well, that's why it's important too. <laughs> you, you misspoke earlier and called it the uncensored history of punk rock. Oh. That's, that's a very different thing because it's not even about the music really. It's not a style of music. If anything, Shit. we know that. I mean, Iggy and the Stooges. Yeah. It's not a style of music necessarily. Right. You know? And it's then there's style. all that like ridiculous theater stuff that feeds into it. I wonder if I'll listen to, I don't know if I'll listen to the music. I, I, I think at some point I would dive in more than I have reading the book just to sort of understand the bands and stuff. But mm-hmm. like five years from now, which band, like television is going to stick with me. Television's great. That's a discovery for you. Cause that's got some musical depth. Well, and I mean the Ramones. I don't think I'm going to be going to Cheetah Chrome often. Not the Dead Boys, but dude, the Ramones, kids love the Ramones. That tells you something. It's like good ass music. Yeah. Which band? There you go. Two, three bands you got to pick. Ramones got to be up there because. Well, they don't have nothing. There's no rules. Okay. There's not rules, but I mean. Matt, what would you pick? The Ramones were still touring when I was listening to bad punk rock. So you'd pick the Ramones. But they're, they're up there. Yeah. Okay. I like I television. I love television. Oh, and uh, you've got a, a musical snob in you. Well, I mean, it's good music. You just Have you listened God, to that whole kidding. album you yet? Have you listened it. to Mark Of course. Of course. Have you listened front to end? Because it's a Once, great record. I'm going to even more. I mean, do we? I, I mean, go with you. Ramones are the Velvets part the, of this? Oh, thing? Cause, see, absolutely. Because I can't live without that shit. There you go. We got the same three. <sighs> oh. Okay. That's I mean, why, but that's it, why we're book buddies. That's why we're, but Iggy and the Stooges too. I mean, that's everybody lust for life. It's a great song. Thanks for joining us on this. Oh, is it, are we done journey? I think we're done. All right. We'll be back soon with another book. We haven't decided. No, we'll tweet it out. <laughs> Natch 9,000, but uh, Natch 9,000, we'll tweet it out and let you know. So you can jump on it and be right there with us. That's right. Will we announce it first in our newsletter. Do you think I feel Could like the newsletter? Cause here's my thinking about a newsletter and I'm a marketing maven. This is for another podcast probably, but uh, you, you always give your newsletter subscribers a little something extra. You leak it to them first because they are your truly, that's, that's your subscriber base, man. They care the most. Done. We'll do it. So watch we'll for that do in the newsletter. In a weekly blast as just a little extra or in its own blast. You might get your own. Yeah. Might get a special edition. Yep. So text. Uh, oh, you can go to the SoundCloud that's page. What we'll do, There's man. a link there. We'll send there. out a newsletter. We'll, we'll include uh, a link to buy the book. Hey, there you go, Legs Julian. You bet. And tattered cover. You know what we'll do? Because we need. You know what we'll do with us? What are we gonna do? We'll do a special blast that says, "We finished this book. Click here to listen to the whole collection." Oh, oh my God! We pick. Are you out mavening the Maven? <laughs> click here to buy the book, and here's our next book. Get and ready. Click here to buy it. Till then, book buddies. Oh. is a Natch Natch. production. Your hosts are Josh Tyson and Mark Brush. Josh, formerly of B. Dalton Bookseller, holds a B.A. in English from Metropolitan State University of Denver and is the author of Sweet Nothings. 
Mark, formerly of Tattered Cover Bookstore, holds a BA in English from Williams College and is the author of The Kepler Track. Check out their other shows wherever fine podcasts are sold for free. Natch for food news eventually, and In the Face for insider NFL action. Theme music by Anna Deloy, Williams, class of 18. On the next Book Buddies. Joey, how are you? How are you? Hi, guys. How are you? Nice to see you. Hi. Tough night last night? Bloomingdale's yesterday. (laughs) Okay, so let me introduce the guys. Now, this is Joey, the lead singer. Marky, who's on drums. Johnny, the guitar player, and Dee Dee, who's on drugs. I, I almost thought you were going to say he was on drugs, but he's not. No, 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 no. You're on, uh, you're the lead singer. He's on drums, you know. Yeah.